Good morning, everybody. I see there's some. Hello, Jaku, Jelle, welcome, Iso. Good morning, everybody that's in the building and everybody that's watching online. <laughs> it's uh, good to see you all here online, and I'm uh, I'm watching also the the live uh, chat of the YouTube also today. So welcome, everybody. Um, I want to share a word on forgiveness. And this is something that we need to hear and hear regularly. It's something that's really important. And uh, uh, if, you, if you take yesterday or the day before, when did I speak about knowing God? This day, two days ago, Monday. Okay. So it's not about knowing the fact that you're forgiveness, that, that you're forgiven, <laughs> that you are forgiveness. <laughs> it's about walking in the fellowship of that knowledge. Is feeling the forgiveness. Is the constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit that forgives you. Okay, uh, taking on the identity of Christ in you, and moving, flowing in forgiveness, and letting forgiveness flow out of you. Okay, so it's becoming forgiveness. All right, because the Spirit of God forgives. He is merciful. He is kind. He's long, he has long-suffering, okay, <laughs> English word, um, he's very patient. All right, so, so I'm going to start reading in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 so that you can just see what I'm on about. It says here, therefore as sin came into the world through one man, and death as the result of sin, so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or escape its power. Okay, so sin entered into the world through one man, Adam. All right. How did sin enter into the world? Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And God warned them and said, Don't eat of that tree, for in that day or in that time you will die. So death came as the result of them partaking from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The fruit of, tree of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is uh, when people live without any dependence on God. When people live independently. So that's the problem. Cut off from him who is the source of life. Okay? So the other tree in the midst of the garden was the tree of life. And he didn't warn them in, with them against that tree. He said, you can eat from every tree, but don't eat that one. Right, So the fellowship with the tree of life is, brings life, ministers life to you. All right. So uh, what happened, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the garden and Adam and Eve partook of it. So God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. So even the serpent was still in the garden. Even the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was still in the garden. But Adam and Eve were was driven out of the garden. So what happened? Jesus came into the garden. He became the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He became the serpent in the tree on the cross, uh, the snake on the pole that I've been speaking about, Roman, uh, John 3 verse 14, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. Matthew chapter 3, the axe lies at the root of the trees. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and all who partook of it, that tree cut down at the cross. Okay, 
So Jesus first had to destroy the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden and destroy the serpent in the garden before he could let man come back into the garden. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 3, he stood there. He said to Adam, he put a, a cherub at, at the edge of the garden, at the gate, guarding the way of the tree of life. Okay, with a flaming sword. But Zechariah says, chapter 12, 13, I think chapter 13, the, uh, he says, Awake, O sword, and slay the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. So Jesus became the door. The sword was awakened, and the shepherd was slain. I am the good shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep. John chapter 10. So Jesus became the door. John chapter 10, verse 8. The shepherd was slain. The way to the tree of life was reopened. So now we can come to the tree of life. So sin entered into the world. Death through sin. Since the cross, the sin was forgiven. And the separation from the tree of life was removed. The veil was rent. The road was opened. So now we can come boldly. Okay. So Hebrews chapter 4 says that you can come boldly to the throne, not the throne of judgment, to the throne of grace. Okay? You can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy, to receive grace, amplified, well-timed help come, coming just when you need it. But you have to come. Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come all you who are burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The whole Hebrews 4 saying that you need to come speaks about entering the rest. We need to enter the rest. So what will you hear when you come to him? Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake his ways. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. And return to the Lord, for he will have love, pity, and mercy on him. And to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. Okay, so it's been prophesied and prophesied and prophesied, even in the time of the, of the law that bends for no one. But if you come to the Lord, you get mercy, you get forgiveness. So what happens? You come to the cross, you find the way to the tree of life, you receive life. The word of forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ is the word of life. So you receive life as you receive forgiveness. All right? Forgiveness comes to us as we embrace the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Life comes to us as we embrace the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay. All right. So Romans chapter 5 says, uh, I'm going to read from verse 15. says, God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. So what you get from the tree of life is much greater than what Adam messed up at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely that God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. 
nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. So what was the effect of one man's sin? Death. What did Jesus conquer at the cross? Death. Okay? For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift following many transgressions brings justification. So, it has to be grace, because all have sinned, Romans 3, 23, and fallen short of the glory. Therefore, all are justified freely by His grace, verse 24. Yeah. It has to be grace. There's no way that you can, by your good works, find salvation or find righteousness before God. The standard is spiritual. Yeah. I think it's Romans 7, verse 14, that says, The law is spiritual, but I'm a creature of the flesh. That's the whole point. The Holy Spirit is the standard. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we can never attain to the standard. Carnal can never be spiritual. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. You have to be born again to ever see the kingdom of God. Okay? How do you get born again? John 1, as many as believed on his name, gave you power to become sons of God, who owe their birth neither to bloods, neither to the will of the flesh, but to God. They are born from God, born from above. Okay, so the word speaking of forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ brings life, brings the spirit of life, brings life from the tree of life. Brings fellowship with him who is the tree of life. Okay? So, uh, a lot of people think if they judge themselves before God can judge them, then maybe he will be merciful to them. You know? So, it's like before someone can say something, you say, no, 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 I was wrong, I was wrong. Okay? <laughs> you know? And you hit yourself harder than anyone else. You know, it's fine if someone condemns you, but wait till you get yourself, you know? When, when you alone with yourself, then you'll see judgment. <laughs> okay, so that's not, it, it feels noble to judge yourself for what you did wrong. But what you're doing is you're ministering death to yourself. It's like injecting yourself with some poison. Condemnation and accusation is death. It's a carnal thought. So Romans chapter 6, verse 5 and 6 says, Those who are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. Those who are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Now the mind of the, spirit, the, uh, the, mind of the flesh is amplified sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is sense and reason according to the law from a carnal perspective. You judge yourself you try to fix yourself by the works of the flesh. But it says, but the mind of the spirit, says Romans 8 verse 6, is life and soul peace. Yeah. Both here and hereafter. So the mind of the spirit is life. So what's the mind of the spirit? Just sins are forgiven. So if you want to agree with God, if you want to stand in right standing before God, you need to embrace this fact that you're forgiven. 
If you believe that you are not forgiven, you are resisting God. If you don't believe that you are forgiven, you still think you must be forgiven, you are violating the word of God. Okay? Uh, Romans 5 is 1. Since we are justified by grace, let us grasp this fact that we have peace with God. So we need to get this. You have peace with God. Jesus has paid the price for all sin. You need to renew your mind. You need to believe that the sacrifice Jesus brought for your sin was enough. And you need to resist the carnal temptation of accusing and condemning your own self before God. All right? It's not God's will. What is God's will is be thankful, says First Thessalonians 5, around about verse 20, 23. says, be thankful for God. This is, be thankful this is God's will for your life. So be thankful for the forgiveness. Be thankful for the blood of Jesus. Be thankful for the sacrifice. Receive it freely. Come to the throne of grace. Receive the mercy. Receive the grace. That's God's will. So instead of judging yourself, condemning yourself, hitting yourself, you know, like the old Gnostics, you know, they would hit themselves all day long with, with whips, like in the dark ages, you know. Or they would, you know, they would punish themselves in some way, or they would just scrub the steps of the temple or something. You know? They would do all kinds of things because they believed the body in itself was evil. So it needs to be punished. So they punish themselves before God can. That's evil. <laughs> it's stupid. It's, it's not God's will. God's will is for you to embrace the forgiveness, embrace the love. Okay, so two examples in scripture, Jesus. So here's the lame man, Matthew chapter 9. I'm not going to read everything because we don't have time. Okay, Matthew chapter 9, here's the lame man. Remember, they brought him before Jesus into the crowd room, you know, before dust and roof tiles and here he is, okay? So Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And they freaked out. See, who is he that can forgive sins? He says, what is easier for me to say? Rise up, take your bed and walk, or your sins are forgiven. But to prove to you that God has to given, given to man the uh, authority yeah. to forgive sins. I said to you, rise up, take your bed and walk, and he walked. So what happened? Life came to his body of a lame man. And he stood up and he walked because of a word of forgiveness. Jesus just said, your sins are forgiven. Goodbye. And there he goes. Okay, John chapter 5, another example. Okay, Jesus didn't have to ask him about his forefathers. Did your grandfather maybe, you know, was he a Freemason or, or, you know, nothing of the sort, nothing. He just says, do you want to walk? There's no one to put me in the pool before, you know, when the angel stirs the water, there's always someone else first. He's laying there for how many years? She says, just take your bed and walk. That is nature. So Jesus' response to sin is, your sins are forgiven. Jesus' response to sickness is, rise up and walk. It's the same nature, the same character. Sin is to the soul what sickness is to the body. 
So if you've been sick, you're forgiven for it. <laughs> if you have had some kind of a moral failure your whole life, you're forgiven for that too. And God wants to heal you of your sin just as much as he wants to heal you of your bodily ailment. It's from the same source. The same, that source is actually just being cut off from the source. And that source is now been, has been restored. We have been engrafted into Christ. If any man be engrafted in Christ, he's a new creature. All together. The old has passed away. Behold, and fresh and the new has come. Second Corinthians 5.17. Okay, so forgiveness is much more than just getting a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, or another pardon, so you can keep on doing it. No, forgiveness is a total transformation of your whole being. Forgiveness is God removes the sinful nature and he places inside you his nature. So you can't hear the word of forgiveness enough. You need to hear that you are forgiven until your life reflects Jesus. Okay? We are so far removed from the manifestation of what God created us to be that we think we're okay. <laughs> Compared, you know, if, if everything in your life is perfect, you know, you're rich, you've got, you know, everything that the world wants, okay? Even that state is like being naked, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked compared to what God has for you. That's what uh, the Spirit of God says to the church, uh, which church in Revelation. He says, you think you have grown rich, Revelation chapter 3. But actually, you're naked, pitiable, poor and blind. Wretched, naked, pitiable, poor and blind. You think you have grown rich. So I, I advise you to buy from me true riches. Get salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. And white raiment to, to cover the shame of your nakedness. So what's the white raiment? Oh, Isaiah 61 verse 10, he gives us a robe of righteousness. Yeah. Isaiah 64 verse 4 or 6, he says he removes the, uh, all our righteousness are as filthy rags, okay? Zechariah 3, that he removes the rag. Okay, so um, what I'm saying to you is your righteousness stinks, even if it's wonderful. So God forgives you freely for your best work you've ever done. Yeah. You need grace. Yeah. So you're forgiven. So receive the forgiveness. If you receive the forgiveness, you with it receive life. Okay? So another thing I wanted to say, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus was eating at the house of a Pharisee. And here comes a woman into the house, okay? And she was a notorious sinner, devoted to sin, says the amplifier. <laughs> devoted to sin. <laughs> so she didn't have a good report, okay? Social outcast. So she came into the building and she started crying and she wet his feet with her tears and wiped it with her hair. And she kissed his feet. So now here's this Pharisee, and he thinks in his heart, 
if this man were a prophet, you would know how wicked this woman is that's touching him. So what is his heart? Judgment, accusation. He just wants to throw this woman with a stone. And by association, he wants to throw Jesus with a stone also. Because he's letting her do it. So the whole picture to him is disgusting. But Jesus said, I have something to say to you, Simon. He says, say on. He says, incidentally, the Pharisees always called him rabbi and never master. <laughs> so, rabbi, say on. So, she says, oh, Jesus says, there were a man in here to two debtors. One owed him many, much money and the other one little. can't remember the amounts. 550 denarii. When both of them had no means of paying him back, he freely forgave them both. So who's with Jesus in the room? The one who owed little, the one who owed a lot, according to their estimations. <laughs> so he says, which one will love the most? So the Pharisee answered, I take it the one who was for, who were forgiven the most. He says, you have answered correctly. See this woman? See the love that she's pouring out? I walked in here, you didn't give me water for my feet. You didn't even greet me with a kiss. You didn't give me um, ointment for my head, cheap, ordinary oil, but she, she lavished my feet with rare, costly perfume. A year's wages. Okay? Her sins, many that are, are forgiven, she loves much. Those who are forgiven, little, loves, little. Did you want the love of God to take a hold of your life? Receive the forgiveness. Receive more forgiveness. Those who are forgiven much, love much. So love is the fulfillment of the law. Love comes to us through the Spirit. Romans 5 verse 5 says, The love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what does the Holy Spirit say? Your sins are forgiven. Jesus never held anyone's sin back. The forgiveness. He just said, your sins are forgiven. Any sinner that he met. The rebuke was always to the Pharisee that wants to judge people. I don't want to be on the rebuke side. I want to receive the forgiveness. Okay. So, the focus in the kingdom of God is not what you did. The focus is what you believe. The focus is what do you embrace? Right? So, if God is merciful, and He is, if God is forgiving, and He is, don't you think it's His will if we receive the forgiveness and we receive the, the pardon? Okay? So, Oh, there's so many scriptures swimming in my head right now. Okay. Let's just get back to the basics of forgiveness. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says the following. 
In him we have redemption, deliverance, salvation through his blood. The remission, the forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. Which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding and practical insight and prudence. You want practical insight? Receive forgiveness. <laughs> Making known to us the mystery, the secrets of his will. Okay. You will walk in revelation if your heart doesn't condemn you. You will walk in wisdom if your heart doesn't condemn you. If you freely receive forgiveness. I think this is the one thing where doctrine in the church at large needs an adjustment. Forgiveness is not something that God keeps for himself and if someone is deserving, he sprinkles a little. If you look sorry enough, and if you've hit yourself hard enough, then... After all the years of crying and saying you're sorry about the thing, how, how free do you feel? Or has our confession of sins just replaced another sacrifice to bring, to try to make atonement? Like Hebrews 10 says, these sacrifices only bring a fresh remembrance of sins to be atoned for. Hebrews 10 verse 4, verse 3. So if we, if we remember the sin, we remember the need to make atonement. But if we remember the atonement, there is no more sacrifices to bring to make atonement. Hebrews 10 verse 17 says, the Holy Spirit says from verse 15, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Okay? And then he says, um, that's verse 17, verse, verse 18 says, where there is absolute forgiveness and remission of these sins and penalties, there is no longer any uh, sacrifice to be made. If you remember the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you will not have a need to try and bring atonement. If you remember what Jesus did for you, you will no longer heap guilt upon yourself to try and get forgiveness in some way. People punish themselves in the hope that God would forgive them. It's not the word. It's not the gospel. What you need to do is repent. Turn to the cross and receive the sacrifice. See your hope there. See, my sin is, has been nailed to that cross. Nothing I do can top that. Nothing I do can add to that. So I need to receive that. Lord, thank you for what you did. I receive your forgiveness. Let your blood wash away all remembrance of sins. And it just fades out. You never think of it again. And you're free. Why does the law have such a power on people? Why does it, that it, does it activate the sin so much? Romans 7 says, sin uh, uses the commandment as an opportunity to express itself. Yeah. For without the law, sin is dead. People say, you know, this grace message is a license to sin. The Bible says the law increases sin. 
it multiplies the transgression. End of Romans chapter 5, the whole of Romans chapter 6, the whole of Romans chapter 7. Okay? Where sin increased, grace has increased the more and superabounded Romans 5. So it's not the grace message that causes people to sin. It's the law that brings the temptation again that causes people to sin. The grace message, the forgiveness of Christ, cleanses your conscience through the blood of Christ. And you forget that there is such a thing as sin, so you're not tempted. It removes the whole thing from your sphere of influence. You're not eating from the knowledge of, tree, of, of, the, tree, of the tree of knowledge anymore, of good and evil. You don't even know there is such a thing. It's washed from you. But you've got to hate that thing and turn away from it. Come to him. Receive. Re receive the gospel. Receive the sacrifice, the bread and the wine. The fruit of the tree of life looks like this. Bread and wine. It's the fruit of the tree of life. It's the elements of the table of the Lord. It's the true food, Romans John chapter 6, that brings life to you. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So forgiveness, the blood of Christ, is so important. You need to regularly hear it. If your heart condemns you, I think I'll end with this at the time. It's like a, a river. There's so many scriptures about this. You can read Acts chapter 38, Acts chapter 13, verse 38 to 41 for homework, okay? So, First John and Acts chapter 10, verse 43 and 44. You should know this by now. Okay, so First John chapter 3 says, where are we? Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but indeed in truth. Okay, so what happened to that woman who was forgiven? She loved much. Okay, so you can't take love and forgiveness. It's always together. Okay, love and forgiveness, same thing. You love someone by forgiving them. You never hold a grudge. Holding a grudge is a hatred. If anyone hates his brother and he says he loves him, he lies, says First John 4. Okay, right, verse 19. By this we shall come to know that we are of the truth and can reassure our hearts in his presence. Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us. So if your hearts condemn you, in his presence. The love can quiet your heart. So what is the love? It's the, it's the fruit of forgiveness. Okay. For he is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts. And he knows everything. And beloved, if our consciences do not accuse us. With other words, now you've received the forgiveness. You've received the blood of Christ. The sin has been washed out of your system. If our consciences do not accuse us. If they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. Acts chapter 4, grant your servant boldness to speak your word fearlessly while you stretch out your hand with signs and wonders. Okay. And we receive from him whatever we ask. So there's a nice sermon for someone who wants to preach on that. You know, Mark 11, if you uh, ask something and you believe that you have received it and not doubt in your heart, you will have what you say. 
Okay, Mark 11. Together with this, if your heart then accuse you, you have boldness towards God and you receive what you ask. Have you received what you ask? Everything what you ask. I haven't. That means somewhere in my heart I still disqualify myself. Somewhere in my heart I don't believe fully that God has given it to me. Which means I need to really focus again on this. My sins are forgiven. <laughs> I have received his righteousness. So when I ask something from the Father, it's like Jesus himself asking something from the Father. Because I have his righteousness. So I can come boldly. Yeah. So we ask for that building in Jesus' name. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jesus, for that building. We ask for it. And we receive from him whatever we ask because we watchfully obey his orders. Observe his suggestions and injunctions follow his plan for us. And this is his order that we should believe in and rely on the name of his, of his son, Jesus Christ. Same as John 1. Believe on his name, born again. So now believe on his name. That's his order. You want to fulfill the law? Believe. And that we should love one another just as he has commanded us. So if you want the New Testament law, it's this. Believe the gospel, love one another. So believe the gospel causes you to receive forgiveness, which causes you to receive the Holy Spirit, which causes you to receive love. Now that you have love, love one another. It's the fruit of it. So be mindful to express what he has already given to you. Okay, that's the whole thing on its own. Okay, so may you know that you are forgiven. May you walk in the forgiveness of Christ. Any accusation will fall to the ground right now. Anything in your heart where you disqualify yourself before God, washed away now by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are holy as he is holy because he washed you with his blood himself. He paid for all your sins himself. So we exalt what he did and not what we did. Yeah. All right. So may you receive forgiveness and walk in his righteousness. And may you receive whatever you ask. Yeah. All right. Amen. Okay. Let me just greet some people. Hello, Martinette and Erika. Marietta, Pa Vesi. Siswe, Victor, Sitole. Bless you. Powerful stuff. Amen to life and forgiveness. Yes. Amen. I also believe it. Hallelujah, Martinette. Yeah. Bless you. <laughs> All right. Bless you guys. Um, remember our conference this weekend. It's going to be really awesome. I believe it's going to be, you know, just lift the bar. It's going to be amazing. So uh, Friday night we have William Undi. The session is full, so you can watch online if you haven't booked. Saturday morning, Marnus Nell, I think we can squeeze in a few more people. Then Saturday afternoon is Bruce Milner, and I think there's also a few spaces available. Saturday night, for me, also a few spaces available. And then Sunday morning, I think it's also full. No, few spaces available. Sunday morning with Prophet John Wasserman. Man, don't miss that. That's going to be awesome. All right. So all, this, all the speakers have something to give. All the speakers, like, don't miss Monday, uh, uh, what's it, Saturday morning with Marnus. He's going to really bless you. Okay? So same with Bruce. It's going to be really awesome. Okay? So come. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9. Be blessed. Amen.